to Irreverent Testimony, brought to you by Netroots Radio, the political podcast by and for millennial Gen X types from a left-wing perspective. It is Saturday, June 6th, 2020. I'm Travis. I'm Rachel. We're back. I know we've been off the air for about a month for various reasons, new jobs, exhaustion, what have you. But we're back, and we are back with our dear friend Sarah Burris of Raw Story. Hello, Sarah. Hey, guys. Thank you very much for joining us. That was funny. We were just chatting, and Sarah's like, why don't you let me come on the podcast anymore? <laughs> and I'm like, we haven't done a podcast in forever. Also, you're, Let's, <laughs> you can just be the third co-host for all I can. Yeah. Like, you're Aww. anytime. Yeah. Let's do one, and you will be on it. And Here we are. Here we are. Um, well, I'm glad you're doing it because I think, like, right now, it's so important that we be talking about political issues. I mean, it's... And social issues and, you know, all of the things that matter. And, you know, we're just getting closer and closer to an election and there's, you know, protests in the streets. And I just feel like, y'all, come on. Like, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now we're even guilted. Right. That's what we get for letting you back on our show. Um, I know. Well, but... we, we don't want to focus too much on the horse race stuff. Yeah, uh, we know it's Biden. We know he has to be Trump. Okay want to talk more about immediate things uh, that are happening. Um, And, yeah, uh, Sarah, as you guys probably know or may have known, is usually based out of Washington, D.C., but she's been in Oklahoma for quite a while taking care of some family stuff. And you've been a little – so I don't want to say you've been unplugged because you are not unplugged at all, but – I was unplugged more than I've been. I mean, I've just – it's I am not used to you know refocusing my efforts all the time on other things so and what a time to plug back in right yeah I mean the the week that I was I was so I was off all last week and oh my god that first of all it was a perfect week to be gone because you didn't I didn't really have to see the horror and I just I, I, I don't know if I could have handled it right now. You know, it's just, it's a lot. And um, I'm so frustrated that I'm not in Washington because I feel like, you know, I should, I should be helping. Well, let me, let me prop up you and your publication for a minute, because one thing I love about Raw Story is that like this cops doing this kind of stuff has happens literally every day. Mm-hmm. And you guys, well before George Floyd and any of this stuff, you guys cover it on a daily basis. Even if it doesn't make MSNBC or CNN or the Washington Post, like you guys are always finding and publishing those stories along with some others publications, mostly black publications like you know The Root or um, things like that. But like you guys have been on top of this stuff forever. And that's one thing well, I really love about about Raw Story. Uh, I'm so grateful that you noticed. Like this is actually yeah. this has been one of the things that we. I mean, I I always focus on just because you know I feel like it's a responsibility that we owe the public. But at the same time, you know we we do a lot of curation, and for a long time it was about escalating local stories to that needed to be recognized nationally to the national level. And we found Trayvon Martin's story on the local news very, very early on. 
before it became a huge deal. And I think as a result, we've really been able to, to gather an audience that trusts us that we were, we are going to fairly cover every incident and say every name and, um, and make sure that these, you know, that people of color do not die in vain at the hands of these police. And, um, and it just, it's really, it's something that I think is so important. And the thing that I'm the most worried about is that, you know, a lot of those local news newspapers and news agencies don't really exist anymore. Right. True, yeah. I mean, well, true about Sinclair, oh, right? They're, yeah, they're bought right. by Sheldon Adelson, right? Exactly. So, you know, that's where it becomes local people talking about things that are happening in their community on Twitter and on Facebook and social media, because those stories need to have a national voice and, um, people locally deserve to have everybody in the country behind them whenever they protest. And I mean, that's been the saving grace. I think of the George Floyd, um, slaying is that Minneapolis knows that they're not alone. We are all standing in solidarity with them, people all over the world. I know. It's incredible, really, just jumping into the protests that are happening. Um, uh, It's hard, and it's... But I don't know. I, I feel hopeful in some way, right? That, like, we're on day 12, I think, Mm-hmm. of protests and it they're just as big today as they were five days ago right like and they're all over the world when i saw paris um mm-hmm. and I, w- I was like well the french like give them any reason and they're on it <laughs> right <laughs> fair point fair they are point. they are really an, a big fan of protests um like germany too and england and you know i mean the french though like they're on it like, yeah yeah they love protests they do love protests um I and they recognize how effective they are as well mm-hmm. um and i think i'm sort of glad that we hadn't done the podcast over the last couple of weeks because i think um I just think we needed some time to like process process yeah. what was happening and and our thoughts about it um and what I'm really also hopeful about is the number of um white ladies that I've been able to radicalize over the last couple of well, weeks well that, that's I, I want to jump right into this Sarah I don't know if you're experiencing this but we have a, a good number of people in our lives who are mostly apolitical and all of a sudden they've become woke to this and a lot of them are misguided they think it's about them but they're pissed which is a start and they're they're reaching out to us because oh you guys are those politically active people oh well now i'm into it what do i do yeah how do i help and a lot of these are like white ladies who were very upset when donald trump was elected like they had their pantsuit ready right for november 5th and they, and they didn't they get tuned out. to wear it. And they, they're they're super mad, but that was their start of their being woke, um, was like, how the fuck could we possibly elect Donald Trump? And then they just have been floundering a little bit. Like, they made their pink pussy hats, and they went in the march, and then, and then they get very upset when they try to enter into, you know, non-white spaces and do work, and somebody <laughs> tells them something they did wasn't okay, and right. they get very defensive, and right. they get very fragile, and then they feel attacked, and they get those white lady tears going and then they don't know what to do so they just post things on twitter or maybe they just go back to baking or whatever right and 
they don't they they need to be mobilized, but they also need to be they need to do some fucking work too. So a lot of them in the past week and a half have been reaching out to me being like, I want to do something. I don't know what it is. I feel terrible. I feel really guilty. I feel, I feel, I feel, which is mm-hmm. like, let's stop with that. Um, your feelings are valid. And also this isn't about you. Sure. Um, but those feelings are motivating them to action. But let's, yeah, here's some reading that you can do. And, you know, I've gotten some Here of are them. groups that already exist that yes. you can help with money and time That's and mostly resources. the cis gay men in my life yeah. that are doing this, like, I want to help. So I decided I'm going to open a 501c3 around social justice. What do I do? And you're like, oh, pumpkin. No, that's not what you do. First of all, this, when, yeah, I, this guy told me, I've just always wanted to be the executive director of a 501c3 um, around social justice. And Here's I think this is moment. the perfect time for it. Here's my moment. What do you think it should be about? And I'm like, oh, no, I don't think you should do that at all. No, I think you should go volunteer unpaid at an organization that already exists that is black-led and keep your mouth shut and do what you're told. And you didn't like that. Yeah. Um, so we're wondering, are you experiencing any of that? Or are, is there a wokening of the people in your life that aren't usually active or interested? Yes. So my stepdad, um, who has been running a grocery store in Moore, Oklahoma, for 30 years, hmm. um, sold his grocery store and is um, taking some time. And in his taking of time, he has been glued to CNN of all things. Okay. Um, he is a conservative Republican, Southern Baptist. Um, I have never known him. He voted for Donald Trump. He has guns. I've never known him to think, you know, to speak openly about issues that involve people of color. Um, I've never known him to care about it, you know, so I, I was really surprised whenever, um, I think it was the CNN guy who got arrested on mm-hmm. camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember so, which one, but I know exactly like who you're talking guy, about. Yeah. No, uh, yeah, I was the reporter and his camera crew was white and his camera crew was like, dude, he's the reporter. He's on air. We're filming right now. They didn't care. Um, and so whenever we were talking about it and he was, I guess, relaying a story about it to my uncle and I just heard him be like, yeah. And the only reason they, they arrested him is cause he's black. You know that. And, oh. and I was just like, oh. whoa, wow. Yeah. yeah what just correct. happened? <laughs> I mean, you're right, but that's shocking. Somebody that, just got, whoa. That's point, right? I, this is opening eyes in a way that I don't think other things have. I, I think when Michael Brown, that was still very segmented and those protests were very brown and black mm-hmm. and the same with Sandra Bland and some other things that, that have happened. And now you walk out to these protesters in this major city. It is more white to be honest mm-hmm. than, than even black. Now, obviously the black lives matter, like the organized ones, it depends, but there are so many white faces in these protests and we have not seen this before in in protests against police brutality, not at these levels. And that's one of the things that Barack Obama talked about is he said, that is the one thing that gives me hope about all of this is that we are, we are no longer alone in fighting this and speaking up for this. We have allies. And I think, you know, the initial reaction to the protests, the first three or four days was exactly the same as it has always been, 
which mm -hmm. is this knee-jerk white reaction of, I understand that you're angry, but this isn't the way to do don't it. Don't break windows. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't do bad fires. things. You know, we just need peace and love, peace and love, and why can't we all just get along? Right, and, you're right. And then, and then the it's cameras just turned been on the like, cops. It's just been like slowly but surely revealing itself to be more and more people, you know, as it continues. And I think that's the important part is it's not stopping. Mm -hmm. People are starting to go, okay, what the fuck is this about? Like, what is happening? Why are they so mad? And then it's like, oh. Right, because the, the, <clears throat> the cops are saying, oh, we'll show you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and we start to see, like, it was completely peaceful until the cops made it into a violent protest, right? The cops mm -hmm. are inciting riots. And when you see that on film time and time and time again, and enough white people that maybe in your life have gone to the protests and are relaying back to you a personal story about, hey, this was a really, really peaceful protest. And then the cops came in and started rubber bulleting people and gassing them at four o'clock in the afternoon, four hours before curfew for no reason, unprovoked. And you hear that enough times from people you know. Or see it. Or see it mm -hmm. for yourself. TV live. I think it's really sort of flipped a switch for a lot of Americans. Not all like, of them. There's always going to be that contingent. The cops can do no wrong. Trump can do no wrong. They're just racist, whatever. But boy, there's this big core of, I think, we call the, you know, Marge in Des Moines. Yeah. Right? Who's, who's turning on the TV and just seeing cops beat people yeah. and saying, oh, oh, it's clicking. Oh, is that this, what they're mad about? Yeah. And you're like, yeah, yeah, that's what they're mad about. And in addition to them beating people and gassing them, they actually murder people for no reason. And we watched this man, George Floyd, plead for his life and ask for his mother. Mm -hmm. And then he's dead. And three other cops stand around and watch it. And Marge goes, that's, you can't do that. That's mm -hmm. not okay. He was pleading for his mother, you yeah. know? Even our Humanizing. conservative parents were like, okay, that was bad. Those cops should be arrested. Yeah. And then, then they would quickly add, but you anarchists breaking things are bad. And Yeah. But, you know, I think the tide on that is starting to turn too. I was surprised my parents um came into town and uh to my brother's house and i went to see them and before i went to see them this was last friday i um called my older brother and i said i can't do this with them i if this conversation turns to the protests i'm really i'm um, i don't have um any patience for them and i'm really afraid of that conversation and I'm having a lot of anxiety about it and my older brother said well you know they've been here for a couple of hours and we've already talked about it and dad said you know all four of those cops should have been arrested five seconds after that happened right uh, that's clear and I was really surprised by that I was like really damn yeah yeah because that's not the position he took after Michael Brown no or not ever before but yeah. I don't know that I think the video also, as horrifying yeah. as it is, right? It's, it's clear as day. I mean, what, what are you going to argue with? Right. Mm -hmm. There's a guy. He was handcuffed. Prone, he was handcuffed. On the ground. On the ground. His life. Yeah. And he was in an illegal stress position. I mean, I, so, I would say that the Eric Garner video is the same to me. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Things have changed enough where white America's seeing it through a different lens. Yeah. I would say that all the videos I've seen are the same to me. But, like, this yeah. one, for some reason... My dad watched it and was like, that's fucked up. Yeah, no. Um, those, all four of them should have been arrested. And I was like, oh. I was like, then I asked Josh. I was like, and then in the following sentences, did he use words like thugs and 
looters and riots and he was like well <laughs> and i was like okay. yeah so like i can't get into that with them um but i do think that the progress we've seen just from a couple of weeks ago to now among most of the people that i know is so much less of like looting is never okay this is horrible this is not an okay way to protest this is violent this is illegal to like black lives matter yeah like there's just been a shift and I don't know how to account for it exactly, but I feel very heartened about it. And I think there's, well, there's been a shift too with some, some of the organizers and trying to, you know, differentiate between protesting and, and the people who are out to, to lose a lot of which are white supremacists who are trying to change yeah. the, uh, you know, flip the script. I know course. in Denver, like we had the proud boys come out. They're still around. Yeah. yeah. And just start shit. Let's talk uh, about Denver because yeah. Denver was one of the real hot spots. Yeah. It's not mm -hmm. talked about a lot, but last weekend we're about half a mile, three quarters mm -hmm. of a mile from the Capitol, and the cops were using so much tear gas and pepper spray, like we couldn't even have the windows open. Yeah, it was. Uh, we were like, Jesus. yeah, coughing, eyes watering, yeah. um, closing all the windows on a hot summer night. Um, it was bad. And we could hear the flashbangs. Yep. And, wow. And yeah. That, There's been it, helicopters circling overhead of our apartment for 10 days. And it was completely unnecessary and heavy handed. And there's nothing you can loot at the Capitol. It's it's the Capitol building, which is kind of like a, a big concrete fortress. And then two parks, basically. Yeah. There's mm -hmm. nothing to do there. Um, and and it, so it pissed people off. So then they started smashing windows. And you had a, like a five square block radius of downtown where every first floor window was smashed in response to the cops, you know, brutalizing, brutalizing the citizens, yeah. period. I mean, and they were, it was not dealt with as quote crowd control. It was absolutely the cops came in to fuck with the protesters because yeah. they were pissed off that people were protesting police yep. uh -huh. and they came in picking a fucking fight and they picked a fight for like five days. Lather, rinse, repeat on every major city for about, right, right. But in Denver, it was about five days. And then on day six, <laughs> And this is the mayor they, uh, decided to like march with the protesters oh, he's the and worst. like the cops were like, oh, we stand with you. And you're like, no, 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 no. Fuck all that. I don't care. That's way too fucking little too late. Um, Denver and Aurora and the surrounding police departments have a long and sordid history of um, use of force violations um, and just like corruption, particularly in the Denver and Aurora police departments. Um so that's the thing, you know, my dad was sort of complaining about the other day was um, George Floyd's brother came out and said, you know, I don't want these things to be violent. And I'd like to just for the record note that property damage is not violence. No. Nope. Mm -hmm. So destroying a building or setting a car on fire or smashing a window or graffitiing a monument has nothing to do with violence. That is property damage and property can always be replaced and cleaned up but loss of life cannot. So let's stop calling it violence. But my dad was saying, you know, <clears throat> well, you know, this man's brother came on and said he didn't want this to be violent and he didn't want this looting. And so I guess you're just going to tell me that somebody knows better than this man's own brother. And I think the thing that is lost in that kind of messaging is that this isn't just about George Floyd. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, it is about George Floyd, but it's not just about George Floyd. He's a catalyst, but you know. we have a long line yeah. of people who in have every been city state, you know, I mean, we have them in Denver. We have, we have our own names and lists. Um, 
And so this is about much more than just just George Floyd, although what a of course it is about him and like I hope that this movement after his death um, memorializes his life in a way that like what it started and what it could potentially help to change in terms of like structural racism, right? That's the hope out of this is that it's so different that maybe this time Mm -hmm. something might actually change. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about what is being captured on camera and the fact that the cops know they're being filmed and it just doesn't matter. And so the impunity that, that they feel that they feel when, when they know they're on camera and they're going to beat a a news crew and they're Mm going to arrest a reporter. They're going to smash in the windows of a car that just happens to be driving by and tase the passengers who did absolutely nothing or beat a delivery driver, a guy on a delivery bike who's trying to deliver somebody their dinner. They know they're being filmed. It doesn't matter. That tells me that they are being trained and ordered and instructed to do this. Well, and that they don't, there's never been any retro, like there's never been any punishment for this. Right. Kind of what do behavior. they call so it? Like, unlimited immunity for cops? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they, they know that they're going to get away with it. So they're mad. So why not do whatever you want? There's never been anybody realistically, like police don't get punishment. What they are now though sort of starting to yeah Yeah. starting to but because we've had riots for fucking 12 days yeah Yeah. but we've had all of these cases before where police were arrested police were tried and every time over and over and over again it seems like courts decide well they were responding with an excessive use of force because they were afraid you know there's just like this consistent um complaint that they managed to get out of it. And I think the difference in this case is that they cannot say, they can't reasonably say, well, I was reacting, I was killing him because I was afraid of him. He, he did not pull a gun on you. You didn't think that you saw a gun on him. He was handcuffed and on the ground. For eight minutes while you had your knee on his neck. There is, there's no way out of this. Well, and then they tried with this bullshit medical examiner's report, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. To say, well, it was really a pre-existing medical condition, and he didn't die of asphyxiation. He died of uh, a result of the combination of force plus this medical condition. And then the family had another report, and they were like, he died of having a fucking knee on his neck? Obviously? Like, what the fuck? Not just that. I mean, they said the fact that there was an officer kneeling on his, on his back that compressed his chest... Right. So his lungs could not inflate, made him suffocate to death. Right. I mean, and the fact that they tried to say that, oh, that pissed me off. Yeah, me too. I mean, I, I feel like I've seen enough of these. I've become so desensitized to it. And I just didn't expect stupid ass cops to get away with it. And then whenever they tried to pull that, I was just like, oh, uh-uh. Mm-hmm. Now we're getting the medical examiner in on this. Right. Where is the hearing? Where is the state legislature hearing of the medical examiner's office? And how many deaths have occurred where this guy has come up with something that wasn't legitimate? That's a really good question. And I worked in, I had a study that actually 
contacted every medical examiner from every state. And I think Minnesota we did not use because I think they use a coroner system where every county has an elected coroner. So it is an it is a political position. Jesus. So, we have that here. We have like a hybrid system here. We do have a state medical examiner. Right. But we also have county elected coroners. coroners. Yeah. Yep. So my ex yeah, ran for coroner. That that can really fuck things up to answer your question, Sarah. Um, I should write about that. You should. You fucking should. Yeah. It is so fucked up. Um, yeah. Let's Man. Talk, let's talk about what happened in Buffalo the other day, because I think yeah. that was another yeah. straw, and I'm seeing a lot of sort of mixed feelings about it, and, and I get it, because George Floyd was one thing. Then you see this poor old guy in Buffalo get shoved to the ground, have his head cracked open, and have basically cops nearly step on him and ignore him as he's bleeding out and unconscious on the pavement. And boy, was that another sort of fire lit under white America because, oh my God, that looks like grandpa. That's an old white guy. Mm-hmm. It's an old white guy. And they literally shoved him to the ground. And then the fucking fraternal order of police, for people who don't know, which I realized recently is a lot of people, is the police union. And I want to get into that in a minute because yeah, we'll we don't usually unions. rail against unions. But the police union came out union. and said. Yeah, that's the thing. They're not actually a union. They're well, an association. Right. But they, They're not affiliated with AFL-CIO. Or, right. Yeah. We'll talk about it. Okay. Anyway, they came out and said, um, those police op- first of all, they came out and said, um, it's very unfortunate that that man tripped. <laughs> yeah. And then they- they're like, uh, there's fucking video. And they were like, oh, well, they were doing their job. Like, they came out on the side of these two officers, right? Completely. Just like that's, they did exactly what they should have done. And you're like, so exactly what they should have done is shove an old man to the ground. His head gets cracked open. He's bleeding. And you're like, yep, that's legit. Um, and so what happened was very quickly, these officers were arrested. And I, I'm hearing people <clears throat> happy about that. And also, right, does seem like a little bit of racial disparity there that like, yeah, thing. You know, you crack open an old white dude's head, and everybody they get arrested immediately. But like, you murder a black man, and it takes five and it days takes of us a week. Rebellion. Yeah, or yeah. we have vi- we have video of lots of people of color getting beat by cops at these protests. And right. Nothing's, we hear a lot of like, happened. oh, we're looking into it, we're yeah. investigating, right. we're not sure. But the really fucked up thing for me is that following their arrests, fifty-seven members of the uh, Buffalo Police Department resigned from their posts doing emergency patrol work, meaning that they still have their job as police officers on their regular beat, but they refuse to do any more emergency work. Not in support of Black Lives Matter, but in support of the two officers, right? I think that's great. Honest to God. I think that that is perfect. I think that they should leave their jobs if they can't do it adequately and protect and serve the public. They have no business being a police officer and they if they're going to get their police officers they still will get paid and be police officers they just won't be on emergency patrol anymore they but need then, to go then i agree i mean, that's I, mean the I think thing. they should be fired completely if yeah, you if you are seriously you saying option. that is okay with me and i would behave that exact same way i don't think you're allowed to be a cop of, nope. in any capacity and don't tell me about a few bad apples Looks like mm-hmm. so far we got 59 in Buffalo, right? Mm-hmm. 59 bad apples that say this was exactly how police work should be done. Yeah, and when they got a rain this morning, they all went and clapped for them and cheered. Yeah, and, there's a big crowd of people. And, and, you know, that's fine. They have a right to do that. Let them, let them go cheer. It really shows you what 
this well, yeah. is all about. They're just telling on themselves. What, 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 yeah. what you're saying is, yes, as cops, pushing an old guy, an old defenseless guy to the ground and cracking his head open is fine. It's, mm-hmm. it's in our that line of work. That is how we police. You can't, don't criticize us for that. Yep. That's how we police. And like, okay, we, we got it. We got the message loud and clear. Yeah. So you're fired. Yeah. I mean, I think that's exactly what should happen. Anybody who, who condones that needs to go. Um, it's, and I know it's not just the Buffalo police. I've heard stories of other cops getting pissed about, um, about the community response and deciding that they're going to be re- like, they're going to slow stuff down and not respond to calls as quickly. And I mean, all kinds of stuff like this. And there was a city councilman that was on, um, CNN and I'm kicking myself for not remembering what city or state it was a large city and he talked about how um there was a weird um budget conference where they um they weren't even going to cut the funds for the police department they were just not going to give them additional funds for the next budget year I think this Mm -hmm. was in Jersey and they were so pissed that they decided that they were going to not um answer calls or they were going to do it really slowly. And then when people complained about it, they said, well, talk to your city councilman. They're not going to pay us enough. Yeah. That happened to Kagro, David Waldman's father, who was a defense lawyer and then um, was a a city councilman for a a city in New Jersey. And that is exactly uh, what happened to him. It was in the nineties. And so that's the kind of tactics that these, these police unions use. Which I think great. Then they need to go. Everybody needs to go. They need a clean, clean house. Well, and I think what's really interesting for me, too, is that, um, you know, I've been an abolitionist for a while, and people think I'm fucking crazy, and, like, that's too extreme, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm starting to see a lot more people coming around to, like, oh, I'm reading this book called The End of Policing. Yep. and like, Do we really need cops? <laughs> do we really need cops? Mm-hmm. How do we defund them, and where do we need to put our money? Because I think it's becoming really clear the thing that we've been saying a long time in the movement that like police officers don't actually reduce harm in communities they cause harm in communities and so why are we funding something that causes our community harm when we are not funding things that actually help people mm-hmm. in terms of social programs um and things Housing, that could actually help yeah, yeah and... actually help the community why are we funding police at the level that we are and then additionally um, the other thing that I think is really picking up a lot of steam is demilitarizing the police mm-hmm. um, and taking away these sort of tanks. And, tanks. Yeah. They're literally well, tanks. I, I got to roll back the clock and talk about uh, our old buddy Obama, who did a lot of things with the best intentions, but they backfired. Mm-hmm. I think there was a big push by Obama to demilitarize the police and give them, quote, non-lethal weapons, things like rubber bullets and beanbag bullets and more use pepper of pepper bullets. spray mm-hmm. and tear gas. And the cops said, well, great. Like we can get away with not killing people now, uh, which sometimes it does kill them anyway, but we can use these quote, non-lethal projectiles and, and basically mow these people down, which is exactly what they're doing. And again, it's unintended consequences. There's no way I thought, I think Obama, maybe he was naive, but could foresee that that's where it was going to go. But I think there's a way he could, anyone could foresee how that would go. But I think, um, 
The, the, he didn't. Right. The The intent was th- this is going to sort of demilitarize the police and take away the possibility that they're just going to murder people wholesale. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So. But in addition to that, we didn't do, like, um, you know, less than lethal uh, regulations, guidelines, right? Laws. Like, you're not allowed to just go out and assault the public with these less than lethal forms of of gear because you feel like it. Well, like, they're, they're not even considered that. They're, they're quote, crowd control. Mm-hmm. We're just using crowd control. We're just gassing the public and shooting them. Yeah. But, like, it's, it's fine because nobody died, Because maybe. it's crowd control. You know, the thing that kills me is I really wish that we... We get, I mean, if they're going to have crowd control, then I think we need to have police control. Yeah. You know, all of those sound cannons and stuff like that. Like, why can't we point those back? Yeah. And, um, I mean, we were, one of the other things I wanted to say is that the Minneapolis police department, um, had training in place to teach them about de-escalation, to teach them Mm -hmm. like all of the things that they and it still didn't work well that's why this whole notion of police reform is nonsense it doesn't work it never works nothing changes you can train them and we can do all of these like you know middle of the road we'll have civilian review boards and we'll have you know new policies about police intervening when other police are using excessive force and we'll have training about de-escalation and we'll have training about how to deal with people with mental health. Like we've done all of this and here we fucking are. Here Clearly we something are. Hasn't worked. And, and you know, that sort of thing, we can't just stop doing that, but is it enforceable? I mean, is it followed up on? Is it, is it measurable or do cops have to go to an hour training once a year that says, you know, don't kill people. Stop killing black people. Right. Okay. Like, got it. What is it? What black. does that look like? Um, the, the, the entire fundamental system of policing needs to change. It can't just be, you're right. You can't, can't be these half measures of, we'll, we'll, we'll do a training. We've tried we'll, it. We'll do a seminar. We'll do a retreat where we, right. We've tried yeah. everything that they've given us. We've like, okay, fine. We'll try that. And where are we? Right. It's like an Amy Schumer sketch, right? Like don't rape. Right. And it like, it, it's just as effective. Yeah. It doesn't, it, we are nowhere different than we were before we said, okay, we'll try, we'll try, we'll try, we'll try. And finally it's like, fuck your bullshit. We're going to mm-hmm. be in the streets and we're going to burn this thing the fuck down because nothing, you're not doing anything differently. Every measure we've tried everything we've asked for every plea to say please fix this doesn't work and that's why you have hundreds of thousands if not millions of people in the streets across the world because we're done it doesn't fucking work this is so depressing yeah really uplifting podcast I mean part of me keeps thinking that um for a while, I thought, okay, well, let's go the Republican route and be like, okay, um, towns and communities are going to employ a private security system that is not going to be heavily armed with all this weaponry and um, and 
the company would hire, you know, 40 year old people who have some experience under their belt and hopefully have their anger issues controlled and, um, you know, and, and move that route. Um, I don't know that it would necessarily help. Um, we just get capitalism involved. And that's never yeah, a good exactly. idea. I mean, the only good piece of that is that at the very least, if somebody, if they killed somebody, then they would definitely go to jail because they wouldn't have the protection that the police do. Right. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, maybe. I mean, look at Blackwater and right. what they got away with. That's true. Look at the... But the they did it. They didn't detention. do it in the United States. The ICE detention sure. camps right now, like, that's private security. That's, you know, fuck private prisons. Like... I don't think bringing capitalism into it helps anything. Well, let's stay on the yeah. capitalism topic because I want to uh, read a graphic that was actually um, run on Fox News last night, and I, I thought it was photoshopped. I thought it was a joke. Um, Sarah, do you, I think you know what yeah, I'm talking about. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Um, and um, I'm, I'm just trying to find it because it, it, what the message that they're actually conveying is obviously not the one they're trying to convey. Um, and, and I want to talk about it. So I didn't know the full context. I watched a little bit of the video clip. Um, but they ran, and I forget whose show it was on yesterday or last night, but it was a, a chart showing the S&P percentage change one week after, quote, an event. And the events they showed were the MLK assassination, the Rodney King case acquittal, Michael Brown's death and George Floyd's death. And in, in each of these instances, the S&P 500 went up anywhere from 1.2 to 3.4 percentage points in a, a week after these events. So I'm not really sure. I, I don't know if Fox News is trying to convey that murdering innocent black people is good for the economy or... They since if came back just... and said, like, sorry, that should never have gone up. <laughs> okay. You yeah. think? The yeah. bell is unrung, sure. Mm -hmm. But, or or whether their point was... See, it's not really that bad to kill black people, because look at the S&P. Right. I don't know. I don't know what the point of that graphic was. Well, I, I mean, it's all context, right? If Chris Hayes or Rachel Maddow ran that, we know exactly what they would be saying. But what, what it who's told even, me... What question is, like, who is even looking that up? Why, what compelled someone to be like, I wonder what the stock market did after these black men died? Some like, producer. what compels you to want to know that information? Oh, like, I'm sure it probably came from, like, some white supremacist red thread. <laughs> oh, yeah. And some, you know, producer was like, ooh, this looks cool. We should put this on the air. Give it to Laura. Right. Yeah. And She'll we'll, talk about anything. And we'll do it under the guise of see the economy is resilient like trump said even when there's upheaval right like a very thin cloak of no 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 we're not being super racist we're just talking about how good the economy is right um or how resilient the american economy is but in any event what it tells me is oh okay this is the nature of american capitalism mm -hmm. like somehow the markets are like i guess this is good and i, I think I that that how. is something um, I think that's something we need to start talking about in terms of protest as well. It's not just enough to take to the streets. You have to also be voting with your and marching with your pocketbook. Like, why are we, why are we still watching football games and buying NFL shirts when they 
when after what they did to Colin Kaepernick. Right. Right. And now, oh, God, the NFL. Now now they're trying to play this game. Oh, yeah. Now Roger they're trying Goodell to Goodell is like, oh, black lives matter so much. And we are in solidarity with. We were wrong about the we, kneeling thing. OK. OK. Is Colin Kaepernick employed in your league still? Yeah. Even though he's better than half the quarterbacks. How many no. um, how many NFL teams are owned by black owners? Right. Yeah. You know, how many um, no, to make it even worse for the last 20 years? They've had this this token interview rule that they think. Did you know about this, Sarah? Uh The NFL has this thing called the Rooney Rule, where when you are hiring a new head coach, um, you must interview at least one black candidate. So So you literally just pick somebody completely unqualified um, with no experience, and you interview them, and then you pick the white guy that you want. Well, that happened. That that happened to a guy who, who ended up, coaching at the University of Miami named Randy Shannon. He was like a very low-level assistant, and they interviewed him, and he was like, no, I'm not going to even take this interview. I'm not qualified. This is obviously just a token gesture. Yep. Uh-huh. It happens at corporations all the time, let me tell you. These diversity and inclusion measures, right? We have these rules about <clears throat> you have to hire somebody from some diverse background, which is categorized as gender, sexual orientation, um, race, religion, right? And then you also have to have on the interview panel someone from inside of the company that also falls within that diversity category. And I have personally seen this happen more than once when you bring in someone from the quote diverse background who is a joke and then you pick the white guy that you wanted to hire in the first place. And so it really is this like fucking illusion of see how good we are. It's just mm-hmm. that, you know, the black guy just wasn't as good as well, the white guy. Well, the Republicans like to take that argument you make it see, and say, see, we need to get rid of affirmative action. No, that's like, bullshit. affirmative action is completely different. And, yes. And so they're, they're taking that same idea and twisting it and saying, well, if we take some, like you said, some completely um, un, um, unqualified person of color or whatever and just give them a, a token interview, we can say we did it. And yep. we have perfect justification for not hiring them. Yep. But we don't have perfect justification for why they got an interview. And nobody ever asks, except me, and then I get in trouble. Well, the thing that's so crazy to me is that, like, do they not understand the optics of this? Every, they have these, these men of color who are literally killing themselves. Yeah. And um, just for the entertainment, and their overlords are all white. I mean... Yeah. Come on, do you not get how bad that looks? Like, how seriously racist that is. It looks bad, and then we should talk about Drew Brees as well. Um, Drew Brees, for those of you who don't know, is a is he's like a Tom Brady. He's a quarterback who's in his 40s, who's been in the league forever. He's very talented. He's won a bunch of stuff. Um, he's also kind of a right-wing, super-Christian guy. And he said a couple days ago that... Something to the effect of like I, I get the protests, but I really I I still don't like the kneeling because it disrespects the flag, and he got a lot of heat for that. And Trump jumped on it and said, "I love Drew Brees. I'm putting on my Drew Brees jersey." He's absolutely right. And then Brees had to like do a mea culpa and come back and mm-hmm. say, "No, no, no. I've, now I've actually talked to some black people and maybe I was wrong." Oh. Which is basically exactly what he said. Everybody's trying to give him a cookie, and I'm like, "No, no. fuck you." <laughs> fuck you. Also, can we just have not white people talking about their opinion about how people are protesting or anything else right now? Yeah. I mean, I realize that we're three white people talking about how we're feeling, <laughs> um, and giving our opinions, but like, I, I, 
if you have a problem with how black people are reacting to anything, I don't care. I don't care about your opinion. I don't want to hear it. I don't. But isn't it amazing in the midst of all this, you got the right wingers still hung up on the kneeling for the anthem thing? Yeah. Like, where the fuck did that come They are from? so butthurt over that. And, which is a but, new thing because people have done it for decades or, or similar things. And it's such a respectful way to protest, that, you know? That's exactly it is, right. Well, and that was the whole reason that he yeah. did it. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's like, I'm not wiping my ass with the flag or, or walking away or turning my back. I'm. And there are Trump voting rednecks wearing thong bikinis that are American flags. So don't even start with me. <laughs> About the fucking flag. Right. Seriously. Or yes. waving their Confederate flags that somehow mm-hmm. makes them patriotic, right? Yeah. So I just... The idea, this whole this whole conservative argument of that it's disrespectful for the flag, it's just laughable. No, it's it's bullshit. It's it's just a, a wedge device. But you're right about the NFL and Roger Goodell. We know how full of shit he is, right? He always does this, where there's a problem presented to him, right? It's like you have a problem with your players like beating the crap out of their spouses and wives, and then he's like, oh no, there's not a problem here. Then he gets so much pressure. Oh yes, oh okay. You know what? This is a big problem, and I care a lot about it. Or whether it's concussions. Same shit with him all the time. He really is the fucking worst. And uh-huh. now he's doing the same shit with, with you know, this, this current situation. And people are still giving him cookies. Why are they doing this? And he's not a charismatic guy. He's this really boring corporate white guy. Yeah. And, and I got... People love football, baby. Just uh, like you. Right? I mean, to Sarah, to your point earlier, I often think of football in this way that, like... It's disturbingly reminiscent of like Mandingo fighting. Yep. And it makes me really uncomfortable. And like, it does feel to me like there's a bunch of white people sitting around watching a bunch of men of color beat the shit out of each other for fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, it makes me uncomfortable. And like, people get very upset with me when I put it in those terms. But that's, that's, and on top of that, that I worry about. these men of color want to say, actually, we're human beings and we care about things outside of what yeah. happens on this field. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, you no. Don't you dare do that. We'll fucking fight right? for that. Like, God forbid they think any humanity. Yeah. God forbid they think something, you know, and feel something and want to speak out about it. Come on. Yeah. And when like, you these are not your slaves. NFL ownership, really any pro sports ownership are typically 95% the worst human beings on earth. Like the worst venture capitalist, white guy, rich, awful, greedy, like people like Dan Gilbert, right? Just the worst. All Trump support. Well, you can picture them, right? Yeah. I mean, if he's <laughs> an NFL owner, if yeah. You, if you're a pro sports owner, what, what kind of person do you think gets to that position? Right. An ultra, ultra rich, awful, venture capitalist, soulless type. Yeah. It's kind of doughy and hasn't really seen the sun much, but think has about the, like a lot of homes. Think about the, the owner world. of the Washington team I will not mention because it's horribly racist. Who's... Oh, yeah, they did a little protest. It was pretty cute. <laughs> did you have a blackout about Black Lives Matter and everyone was yep. just like, fuck out of here. Are you kidding fuck me? Fuck out of here with yeah. this. Are you serious? I did a story. That was my you? last story of the day on Tuesday. And, uh, oh, I was so furious. I was so mad. I mean, but, I know it's some 20-year-old intern, but still, like, that's the franchise basically putting out that message. Yeah. And it was really interesting. Like, I put, I sent it to a friend of mine, and she was like, good for them. And I was what? like, no, <laughs> not good for them. 
And she was like, but this is like a 20 year old intern who just, you know, has solidarity and the, no, it's the don't look for the on the team. And it's don't like, oh, no. Yeah, no. I was like, they don't get to have a voice in this anymore. They lost their voice. Yeah. No voice for you. Right. No. Fuck out of here. Well, let's talk. I, I, I want to stay on this topic about the intersection of uh, capitalism and commerce and this movement. Because I, if I see one more fucking commercial, and, and this really, these commercials have had more to do, I'd say, a week or two ago with coronavirus. Yeah. Because that's still a thing we haven't even talked about. Um, then the protests, if I see one more commercial that says, in these difficult times, <laughs> Ma- we stand together. Mazda wants to let you know that you should buy a fucking Mazda because we're running a commercial that says we care about things. Like, I, I, I'm going to scream. Especially when it's like, people the companies that are thanking the frontline workers by buying ads mm-hmm. they, and it's like please can you not do that can you spend whatever millions of dollars you just spent buying that ad to tell me that you're thankful for the frontline workers at your fucking company stop it turn around and give all of that money to the frontline workers yeah in terms of hazard pay emergency pay like uh, t- paid time off and then um, do a free press release that we'll all see yeah Fun. no exactly this is what Kroger did to help thank their frontline workers they donated 10 million dollars to the 10,000 people I mean I don't know but this like, is what Bezos I, did sure but no no instead they run I these, don't want to see an ad these That's, glossy PR things with somebody smiling you know in the Amazon factory going <laughs> like Amazon really cares about me and stuff I guess <laughs> it's infuriating um Although I will say that some of the uh, ads, not ads, but um, company statements that were made, I think Ben and Jerry's was my favorite. Did you guys see it? Uh-uh. Okay. Let me just pull it up real quick. I heard about it, but. Um, it's, it's literally when you Google Ben and Jerry's, it's the first thing that comes up. Here's what Ben and Jerry's had to say, because they are not fucking around, and they never have been a, a company who much cares about what people think. Um, there's a graphic that says, we must dismantle white supremacy. Silence is not an option. And the statement is this. All of us at Ben and Jerry's are outraged about the murder of another black person by Minneapolis police officers last week and the continued violent response by police against protesters. We have to speak out. We have to stand together with the victims of murder, marginalization, and repression because of their skin color, and with those who seek justice through protests across our country. We have to say his name, George Floyd. George Floyd was a son, a brother, and a, brother, a father, and a friend. The police officer who put his knee on George Floyd's neck and the police officers who stood by and watched didn't just murder George Floyd, they stole him. They stole him from his family and friends, his church, and his community, and from his own future. The murder of George Floyd was the result of inhumane police brutality that is perpetuated by a culture of white supremacy. What happened to George Floyd was not the result of a bad apple. It was the predictable consequence of a racist and prejudiced system and culture that has treated black bodies as the enemy from the beginning. What happened to George Floyd in Minneapolis is the fruit born of toxic seeds planted on the shores of our country in Jamestown in 1619 when the first enslaved men and women arrived on this continent. Floyd is the latest in a long list of names that stretches back to that time and to that shore. Some of those names we know, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, Oscar Grant, Eric Garner, Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown, Emmett Till, Martin Luther King. Most we don't. The officers who murdered George Floyd, who stole from him those who loved him, must be brought to justice. 
At the same time, we must embark on the more complicated work of delivering justice for all the victims of state-sponsored racism and violence. Four years ago, we publicly stated our support for the Black Lives Matter movement. Today, we want to be even more clear about the urgent need to take concrete steps to dismantle white supremacy in all its forms. To do that, we're calling for four things. And then they go on to take... But, like, that's, like, no fucking around, right? Yeah. That's, like, not, like... We stand with our brothers of all colors and races, and we want to have kumbayaing, and we just don't <laughs> like this violence. That's this is just like fuck it out. Fucking white supremacy is a problem, and this man was murdered, and like it's not bad apples. Like I was like, that's fucking rad. I, I nice. was very proud. I know. And these are the businesses that we should be supporting. Yes, a hundred percent. Stop watching football. Right. <laughs> Sorry, Travis. Well, there's Sorry, none. Travis. There's none happening right now, so that's that's yeah. not an issue. I love basketball. I love. I went to KU. I it, you mm-hmm. you have to love basketball to go to KU, or they kick you out. Right. Um, and I will not buy NFL ticket or uh, NBA tickets. I will not you know spend money on NBA stuff until they, just like the rest of of um, professional sports. Get their shit together. Yeah. I particularly I feel like rage it... about college athletes. It's something that oh, we've Lord. talked about a lot. And, like, I just can't get past it. I just, it's just criminal. And now there's, like, all of these, um, I don't know if you saw the um, the OSU thing about them being, um, what is it, like, they have to, they're on suspension. They're, yeah, they have a postseason ban for a year because they were, they were being, uh, what, these colleges, what they did, this is amazing too. Talk about hypocrisy. If you're a high school kid, let's say you're a big time rec- high school recruit and you're already famous. People know your name because people follow these things now before you, you're even in, you know, while you're still in high school. If you were to go sign a, a shoe deal with Adidas or Nike, um, then you would not be eligible to play in college. It's fucking bullshit. Because you are violating, oh, it's going to get worse. Wait. Because you would be violating their, quote, amateur athlete um, statutes, right? Mm-hmm. Although some of those barriers are starting to break down. Although Finally. they're happening state by state and it's weird. But anyway, but but if you're the athletic department of, let's say, Oklahoma State University, you could sign a deal with Adidas. For that kid's name on a shoe. That's right. And you mm-hmm. can take the money, but not the kid. That's right. This is what I'm saying. That's I right. I cannot support this bullshit. It's now, fucking bullshit. What Adidas did was it worked with some kids to, like, steer kids to, like, well, go to the school and we'll pay you under the table or, or we'll give, you know, your dad a job or, you know, we'll buy mom a house or whatever and it'll be off the books. And they got caught, like, allowing it or not policing it. So now they get sanctioned. So the kids get punished. The kids don't get to play in postseason tournaments. And I guess it's punishment for the school. They don't get as much money. But yeah, there's still this this rampant hypocrisy. Like, But one of the big things about it is OSU was one of the lesser offenders. Yeah, well, they're and, the first one to be announced. There might be more. And so, fall, I mean, you're right. University of Kansas um, is one of the largest offenders. Yeah. And so I look at OSU and I'm like, oh, damn. KU is going down Maybe. and a whole bunch of other people are going down with them. Uh, you know what? I'll be, I'll be skeptical though. Taking o- Oklahoma state out of postseason play, that's going to make a tiny minuscule dent in ratings. But what if the university of Kansas isn't in the sweet, yeah. sweet 16 and March madness? <laughs> that's yeah. I mean, I mean, if they're not even allowed in the tournament, right. 
And, and, if this, there are... and if this thing was going on at all the big schools, which I'm sure it was. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure Roy Williams was kissing all kinds what of. What are they going to do? You're going to be in North Carolina and Duke yeah. and Kansas and Kentucky? And, no, no. They should. They, they, well, they, well, yeah. They if you're going to if you're going to enforce it, you should enforce it fairly. But we know they never do. Like you know, how many football violations has Nick Saban in Alabama faced? Mm-hmm. Right. And you're telling me that none of those kids are paid under the table, which they should all be paid. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with paying the kids. I'm saying the hypocrisy of it, how they they choose to enforce these bullshit rules is makes everything so much worse. Well, it's not just hypocritical. It's also literally fucking stealing from these children. We're stealing from them. This is their identity. This is their life, their body, their talent, their life. Their name. Their name that you are profiting off of and they see none of it, that's bullshit. So that they can get a fucking four-year degree? Like, fuck you. No. Let me that t- is not okay. Let me talk about some something I saw in the 90s. There was a, prof- a great college and professional basketball player named Chris Weber, and he went to the University of Michigan. And he's a freshman. He ju- he gets on campus, and they've, they've changed this rule since for a while, which is bullshit, but I'll get to it. He walks into the bookstore right the campus bookstore to get his books for his first semester of classes and he sees a basketball jersey with his name hanging in the bookstore Mm -hmm. it's something like fifty dollars he can't even afford to buy it and he also realizes that these other kids that are buying it he doesn't see a dime from it yep so chris weber says I'm going to figure out a way while I'm still in college to make money off my name. And he does. I don't know if it was with an agent or he did something, you know, that was, quote, against the rules. And it's still described today when people talk about Chris Weber as, well, he did this thing in college and he took money under the table and it's a stain on his legacy. And And I'm like, are you fucking shitting me? Are you kidding me? Like, that is just unbelievable to me. And yeah, that struck me. I remember like, I, I think I was still in college myself when this happened, or maybe even in high school, I think the early to mid nineties. Uh, I was going to say you were in college in the mid nineties. I was like seven. Old. Yeah, I'm old. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was still in high school when this happened with Chris Weber. I remember reading that in the paper, like tr- imagining myself walking into, you know, the student bookstore, seeing my name on a Jersey. A, I can't even afford to buy it. B, if I tried to steal it, I'd get arrested. And C, somebody's making money off of you. Yeah, somebody's making money off selling these jerseys. Lots of people are. The university, the company that makes the jerseys, Mm -hmm. the athletic department, Mm -hmm. um, you know, who knows who else. And me, not a dime from it. You can't even afford to buy one. So, you know what the NCAA did? They said, oh, you know what? That is wrong. So, you know what we're going to do? You can have the number of that player, but you can't have their name on the jersey that you sell. There. Is everybody happy now? No. <laughs> no. Of course not. I hate but them. But that's so what much. they did I hate after them. that Chris Webber thing. I hate them. And then there was a big video game thing. I'm sorry to get off on the sports tangent here. But then there was a big video game thing. Um, for years and years, video games used the likenesses of college players for their big college um, football video game, mm-hmm. and they didn't 
they didn't pay him. Right. Because they couldn't pay him, even if they wanted to, which, of course, they didn't want to. It's a great... Why would you... What a great business want model. to pay somebody that you don't have to pay. Right. Imagine, like, making a... a uh, a skateboarding game, calling it Tony Hawk skating, and not having to pay Tony Hawk. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, right. what a great profit margin. Right. And so this guy named Ed O'Bannon from UCLA, and it might have been for this was for a basketball game, but it's the same thing. Um, he sued and Good. won. It Good. took forever, but he won. So instead of paying the players, they just stopped making the video game. Of course, because yeah. why would you want to pay players? No. I hate them. This is what I'm saying. Capital. Like, it's just. <sighs> Anyway. So we've gone way off the track here. The corporate overlords. Yeah. I know. But I think the, the intersection of uh, sport, uh, not sports so much, but with sports because a lot of sports figures are having, getting a spotlight now because they're not playing sports, and these protests, and the capitalism. The capitalism and racism. Like, it's important. They we need to talk hand. about it. Hand in hand. So capitalism and racism. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back to gab more with Sarah Burse. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Testimony. We got Sarah Burris with us today, and uh, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about Lady G. Yay! Bless his heart. I'm just. <laughs> I'm so. Oh, I. I tweeted this too. Like I. I really feel like now that he is has been has been outed, that he can stop trying to kiss Trump's ass, and he can find a real man, and. <laughs> Settle down. But we and know make... he's not going to do any of that. He's in an actual a tough re-election fight. Um, it's, it's polls are close with uh, Jamie Harrison. And he is not ever coming out of the closet. Maybe on his deathbed. I don't well, know. he might not, but he might be outed by all the prostitutes he's hired. He's been outed. I mean, like, okay, none of them have had a sit-down with 2020 yet, but... I mean, no, he's going to have this whole redemption story, and it's going to be so gross. Uh, it's, he's going to be outed by all of these sex workers. What, if Biden wins, then and he then can feel like he can come out? He's going to come out, and he's going to say, you know, I just couldn't, and I'm really sorry for all of the anti-LGBT things, but I hated myself. And then he'll become, like, you know, a gay icon or something, like, in the he eyes of straight just, people. right? Just Quit politics, start a B&B, and go live your best life. Right. He's got enough money, right? But he loves the power. He loves the spotlight. You know, that's why he, that's why he does this stuff. He's a Southern belle. Uh, but he could, he could come out and stay gross. Look at the log cabin Republicans. They just pretend that those 
horrible evangelicals they vote right next to and link arms with at CPAC don't really exist, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, they uh, don't, we don't talk about them. Mm-hmm. It's fine. He could be one of those. Yeah. He could. Like, he could, he could, I mean, I guess he can't, he figures he can't come out and win his, his Senate seat again. Um, but he could, he could win a win, lose, or draw, whatever. If Trump's out, then he could come out after that. But he's not coming out before then. There's no way. The least gross thing about Lindsey Graham is that he's a gay man who hires sex workers. Yeah, right? Well, let's talk about that, right? Because there's <laughs> a lot the of people... That's the only thing about him that I like. There's a lot of people on Twitter and social media like, don't talk about that. It's like, no, no, no. We have to talk about it because he's a traitor and he's injuring the very the same people that he's in a community of yeah no i mean i agree my thing is um i'm really tired of this weird narrative that straight people are doing right now that i'm seeing which is like it's not ethical to out him and i'm like i did i ask you motherfuckers (laughs) did we ask straight people if we're allowed to out this man no i don't care about your opinion about outing anybody the only thing i care about is that you don't do it right you're not allowed to out people but when this motherfucker consistently votes the way that he votes and some sex workers want to out him, I'm fine with it. And I don't need your opinion about whether it's ethical or moral to out him. He's out. I'm outing him. I don't care. Sarah, let me let me ask you this, right? Because you, you know some of the dirty laundry that goes on behind the scenes in D.C. Uh, may, maybe not with Lindsey Graham specifically, but why now? Because this has ostensibly been going on for decades with him. And so why is this the moment that yeah, everybody's like, okay, it's time to out Lindsey Graham. Is, is it because he is in, like, finally he is in what looks like it might be a competitive race for his seat? Is it just the moment, like, we're burning everything down, let's burn this down too? Like, why now, do you think? Yeah, I think it's the, the latter um, of the two because it seems like Washington is in such um, disarray, yeah. not not because of the protest, but because there was just so much happening and so much with Trump and so many angry people. And it's every single movement, right? It's the women's movement. It's the gay rights movement. It's the, also it's, um, it's June. It's yeah. And I think that. that, and I think that there, I mean, there's gotta be a ton of them. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm For sure. Decades, right. Right. And I'm sure one of them finally was just like, this is this is such bullshit um and and it's a domino effect right and i think too like the the attacks that have been made um on the obama administration for the whole you know now they're doing this he's doing this russia investigation this like investigation of the investigation yeah i've paid so little attention to it because it Mm -hmm. it's it can only really backfire when people are looking at everything that's burning down in the world and they're thinking, really, this is what you care about? Yeah. Um, this is what you're making up. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it's very, very clear. Um, I mean, I thought it was clear with the Benghazi thing, but this is just... But, yeah. the, but the fact they're doing it now, in the midst yeah. of the pandemic and everything Three else. years later. Like, now, what have you been doing for three years? If this was such a big deal... If this is so important, you know, why are you just doing... Am I just that tuned out? Like, I don't even know that this is happening. Just on the depths of political Twitter and people who follow the Senate, like... Yeah. Yeah, they grilled Rosenstein the the other day. Does anyone even know that this is happening? Like, Yeah, right-wingers. 
Yeah. Uh, sadly, oh, not enough people know that it's happening, but um, but yeah. I mean, honestly, in the in the range of things that we have going on right now, it really well, it's is an not... attempt at distraction, right? Like, oh, yeah. here's a shiny thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I would much rather have focus on Donald Trump being a a tool, but. Um, the thing that is the, the scariest to me about this and the most important to me is if this information is what um, the Russians have on Lindsey Graham and, and he Trump is being, yeah. yeah, and he is being blackmailed and manipulated with it. Um, having someone as high up in the leadership, as high up in his clearance level as that, having like being blackmailed, by a foreign country is really, really scary. And sure. if that's what this is about, like that is the thing that needs to be investigated. I don't really care about the gay thing, um, except that it's funny and yeah. he needs to go find himself a real man. <laughs> mm-hmm. but well, I don't think the house is going to want to touch that with an 80 foot pole. No, I mean, they I think should. you're house- absolutely right. They like, is you know the head of the the chairman of all these committees one of the most powerful senators is compromised by a foreign power this is something we should know but like ooh we don't want to you know act like we're getting excited about outing a gay man right um i don't know i feel like that's more important i don't really care about the outing thing this is about national security yeah agreed and i think that you know, the the LGBT caucus in the house can come together and maybe find some dating options for him. <laughs> I mean, it could be a bipartisan search. It's also OK if he prefers sex workers, as long as he is kind, respectful, pays well, tips well um, and fuck your non-disclosure bullshit. Um, well, yeah, let's talk about that next, because the rumor is he's making all these guys sign NDAs. That doesn't make a lot of sense. An NDA doesn't hold up if it's something illegal. Yeah, true. Like but you can't, true. you can't tell me I can't say that you committed a crime. Right. Like, you can say, you can never tell anyone we had sex, you can never tell anyone we met, you can never tell anyone you know me, right? Um, but the fact that you paid for sex in a place where it is illegal to do so, which is bullshit, by the way, I'm on record as pro-sex work, um, sex work is work and should be legal, um... But as it is currently a crime, I don't know how the NDA stands up in a court of law. Like, you, you can't murder somebody and then make your accomplice sign an NDA and have that hold up in court. Or, or ta- you know? take your male escort to court and testify that he broke the NDA Saying paying that, for the sex. Right, like, right, I mean, right. It yeah. doesn't jive. There's no, yeah, agreed. So anyway, there's a big thunderstorm that just rolled in. If we lose power and lose Sarah, then... That's why. Yeah. But I am so excited and jealous of your thunderstorm. <laughs> is it just It'll really be... hot where you are? Uh, no, not. I mean, it kind of is, but I just, I really love thunderstorms and I love lightning and craziness. And we got all that now. It's Colorado, so it'll be I done in five it. minutes and then it'll be bright sunshine. Yeah. But I love it too. Enjoy these five minutes. Yeah. It's so great. It's the best. Yeah. We don't get this in D.C. I'm, and I thought being here in the spring, I would see more stuff. And we really have not had any. And I feel like I've been let down by the gods of meteorology. And yeah, you're in Oklahoma. It's, you get twisted. I wanted and... a tornado and we didn't get one. 
<laughs> the second you leave, show it's you that God's fair. looking out for you. Or something. It's not fair. <laughs> I've been trying to film these things since I was a kid. Yeah. Since you first saw Twister? Oh, way before that. Like, I was climbing on the roof when I was 13 you with were, a video camera. You were Helen Hunt, huh? <laughs> no, I wasn't chasing them. I wanted to get them on TV and be on the evening news. Sure, yeah. Always a journalist. Yeah, I was more like the crazy Murphy Brown. <laughs> well, that's fair. <laughs> so anything else to talk about, uh, Lady G? Like, I, I think, like this is going to go away in a few days and then it'll be that thing like, oh, remember when well, Lindsey Graham sort of got outed for a day? Does anyone think Lindsey Graham is straight? <laughs> no. Has anyone ever thought that? That has ever existed thought that? That's true. His parents are gone, aren't they? I don't know. I would imagine he's kind of old. Your mom, if you asked her, would probably think he's straight. She would be like, do you think? Oh, no. My mom would be like, hell no. My mom would be like, oh, I never thought about it. Do you think? I'd be like, a southern bachelor? Have you listened to him talk? Like He said if he was president, like his sister would be the first lady, mm. which is... Bless his heart. Bless his heart. <laughs> I mean, that's coming out, really, unless you're stupid, but his supporters are, so... <laughs> they just assume he's just a ladies' man. He wants to be What a is up with him dyeing his hair and making like it all... Yeah! Why, well, I don't know. I don't know. I, mean, I, I think this is Trump pulling the strings. Like I think... I, uh, I don't think so. I think it's mirroring. I think the more that he looks and behaves like Trump, who's a narcissist, the more that Trump will like him. Yeah. And so he's mirroring, is what he's doing. Maybe. Yeah. So yeah. there's that. <laughs> I mean, I, there's, you know how when people have been together for a really, really, really long time, they start looking like each other and dressing like each other? <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. I really hope this isn't that. Yeah. Oh. God. I think it's just tactics for dealing with a narcissist. Yeah. Because if you mirror them, then they like you because they see themselves in you. And he's, well, like, he's in a legit fight for his Senate seat. Yeah. I mean, Thank it's, God. It's going to be a wave year. I don't know how big, but... If the wave's big enough, yeah, Lindsey Graham could get bounced. Crazier things have happened. I think Corey Gardner's out for yeah, sure. Yeah, he's, he's done. Yeah, he's oh, toast. yeah. That, for sure, he's done. He's I toast. McSally's toast. Mm -hmm. um, Susan Collins, I hope, is toast. I know. Her polling is, is kind of close. It's within the margin, and I'm worried about that. But The thing is, I don't think there's going to be a mass exodus of... Um, down ballot politicians turning on Trump because they can't lose the base. They just have mm -hmm. to hope for the best. Mm -hmm. And then it'll be one of those things in retrospect. Oh, gosh, we need to change our focus and change our ways. And That's uh, assuming that we win. I don't know that we do. I, don't, yeah. I mean, I don't, I I don't, don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't take anything for granted anymore, but it's really not a good environment for Trumpism right now. I think people really are sick of it. I hope so. I hope so. I mean, just the the instability yeah. of yeah. the country, the um, the fear and the anxiety that I think a lot of people have, not necessarily about um, people in the streets, but, you know, we don't, there's no trust for protecting us from foreign adversaries. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing that the federal government does they're supposed to protect us and they can't even manage that mm -hmm. 
well, it's not even protecting at this point. It's like colluding, right? Like, yeah, you're working with a foreign government against the people of this country as our leader is like, that's the real thing that's happening. So like, but I don't know. I don't know because I, I think they live in a different world than I live in. And I don't know that they think that way or they see that or that they recognize that. Lindsey Graham's father's name was Florence. Oh, Florence. Was <laughs> Florence he also a dick? Florence James Graham and his mother was Millie Graham. Oh, Millie. What'd you do to your son? Poor <laughs> 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 gay son. I'm sure she I guarantee you he was bullied at home and bullied in church. Oh, I'm sure. Right? That's why he joined the army and mm-hmm. toughened himself up. Yeah. And yeah. Just, Wonder if he was traumatized is a, is himself. a control freak. Yeah, internalized homophobia, yo. It's a real thing. His parents ran a liquor store. Oh, so he just really rebelled then, right? I don't know. That's really interesting. That's really interesting. Uh, you know, you, you kind of harken back to a time where, you know, men could be named Florence and no one thought anything of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the... Then you I, named your gay kid Lindsay, and now people are going to talk. Well, Lindsay, I've heard a few few times from male names, but Florence is kind of rare. I don't, I don't know. Right? Meant, yeah. I mean, it's one of those southern things, I guess. Yeah. Like, it's a family name, I'm sure. Yeah. I don't get the whole southern thing. I I'm. But there was another thread by someone else who's very connected in D.C. Like, oh, you think Lindsey Graham's the only one? <laughs> like like no and we've known that for ages Um, and i mean too it's not just about the gayness um of which there are many um i don't really know any other senators but i do know that there are people in the house sure um there's all kinds of wild kinky sex among elected officials on the hill there's like there's swingers clubs that are on capitol hill there's um I actually really tried to get in the swingers club just because I wanted to see what it looks like. You weren't well connected enough for that? They could totally tell that that's the only reason I wanted to be. Too bad. That's a podcast, Sarah. Right, right. Definitely welcome on anytime once you get into that club. Um, I mean, I'm, I could come to D.C. next time they're available, and we could just try to go as, oh, like, oh, I'm quite the sure unicorn couple. There will be an ironclad NDA before you ever walk in that door. <laughs> right. Maybe I'll just um, forget to sign it. Bat my eyes. Yeah. Oh, that'll work. Sure. <laughs> I'll sign it with a fake name. Lisa <laughs> Simpson. Well, we know that Roger Stone and his wife are all over those D.C. swingers clubs. They're very open about that, so. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate their openness. I mean, it's not just the DC ones. They're very involved in Florida, um, <laughs> which sure. Florida. Yeah. I would never do a, any Can you kind imagine of imagine going to any kind of sex party in Florida. <laughs> oh, right. That's like, what I was no. thinking. Like I was trying not to be an ass about it, but no. there's no way in hell I would oh, ever no. have sex with anybody in one of those things in Florida. No, well, buddy. in Mar-a-Lago, no. it's going to, no. you know, you know, it's going to involve Epstein and underage girls. So there's, yeah, fair. So I guess the last thing I want to touch on is that Anonymous came out the other day. They'd been in hiding forever and said, we've got all these Epstein documents that shows Trump and him did something. But it was like an old uh, it was part of the old lawsuit that that um, that -hmm. young lady had had Mm -hmm. come up with that she eventually dropped, although, you know, a judge was willing to hear it. Um, 
I don't know if we'll ever hear. Although there's a great documentary yeah. now about Epstein mm-hmm. that everybody yeah. should watch. On Netflix, it's it's really it's a series. It's like six episodes, and um, and I know a lot of conservatives who are watching it. Good. Because um, they think so they're going to see all the Clinton dirt or something? I don't know. Um, I don't know if they're watching it just because it's like a Dateline addiction kind of thing. Um, or, you know, if they're just looking, there's nothing on TV. Um, I found it like I learned more things than I wanted I to. I already knew most of it. But um, the firsthand accounts that they're able to get of people who were like working on the island and mm-hmm. these women and like. Yeah, it's, it's there, yeah. There's a list of names that Anonymous released um, of people because they're girls and boys um, under the age of 16 that were um, that I guess got a settlement. And the list of where the act occurred was a Trump property. Of course, mm-hmm. yeah. And I would like to see somebody start researching who those people are and looking into where they are and mm-hmm. you know be able to confirm whether or not they got a settlement and and if they're currently alive well yeah there's if, that you know um if they want to tell their story at this point because if it's an epstein thing then is that does that make their nda and settlement clear not if trump was part of that that's the question. So, like, or, the or, things, or who knows how many other politicians are. In, who was the settlement people. with? You know, what did that, did it extend to just Epstein or did it extend to everybody? Well, right. So part of his like plea deal down in Florida, right, that was like the big controversy when it was uncovered that like this ridiculous fucking plea deal was made, even though they had like 40 different people willing to say that these things happened when they were mm-hmm. minors, was that um, not only would Epstein have. Um, immunity for any future prosecutions at any state or federal level, but it also said Epstein and his um, co-conspirators named or not named, which is extraordinary in its own way. But the really good thing is these lawyers who were representing these women who were trying to civilly sue him um, eventually went before the uh, a federal court who um, struck down the plea deal that was reached um, based on a violation of the Victims Rights Act because the victims were shielded from knowing any of this information. And as a part of the Victims <sighs> Rights Act, they are required to be notified of any plea deal that was supposed to be made. And there are emails upon emails upon emails of these prosecutors and the defense team talking about how we need to keep this quiet, let's meet off of grounds, let's not tell anybody. They signed this deal with him without ever having notified any of the victims. And so the federal judge was able to actually overturn um, the immunity part of that plea deal and say, like, absolutely not. Like, they violated the Victims' Rights um, Amendment. And so now prosecutions are able to go forward. That was before he died. Um, But so that means that people like Jelaine and like anybody else who was involved are no longer immune to prosecution for their involvement in sex trafficking. So that's one of the things I learned that I didn't know. That is awesome. Right? I did hear something about the, it violating the victim's rights. Yeah. Um, But there's email evidence of it. They literally like, don't tell anyone. We need to keep this a secret. We need to keep this hush hush. Let's just sign it 
quickly first one on the docket on Tuesday and then it will be done and then no one can say anything like they are saying this out loud then this one woman who works for the prosecutor's office is like hey to the defense team email me at my gmail I don't want this on company record <laughs> about the private deal and you're just Jesus. like wow okay well okay so yeah anyway. does um is there a prosecutor that is still looking into all of this and looking for some kind of justice for these not, survivors? Not in Bill Barr's DOJ, I bet there is. Um, so there's this local um, police officer and DA who were in Palm Springs, Palm, Palm Beach. Beach, right, who uncovered this original story and, like, did all of this work. The police officer who was involved, who did all of the... Um, uh, interrogations or I guess interviews is dead but uh, the DA and the sheriff I guess or something some kind of head of law enforcement down there um, feel super burned by um, the feds and are I'm sure. still continuing to look into it and like still like pushing for things and worked with the um, uh, the people representing the victims directly um, to say, like, what the FBI did was not okay and help with, like, subpoenaing records and, like, you know, all cops are bastards, but these ones at least, like, you know, like, really have been helping to try to, like, they just feel so fucked, like, by the plea deal that happened that they are still in, in contact and still doing that. Um, on the federal level, I don't think so. Hmm. Yeah. Not in this administration. Might change with the change, but I'm not sure of that, but... There's no chance now because we know Trump's hands are dirty in some way, shape, or form, even if he just turned a blind eye to Epstein using his properties. That's right. of a scandal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we, we kind of already know that's the case, but mm-hmm. that documentation and proof is not going to see the light of day. Right. <clears throat> but anyway, watch the documentary. It's really good and really informative and, um, yeah, also, like, heartbreaking and really tough. But there's a lot I didn't know. Do you notice how everybody lost their shit this week whenever Joe Biden said that 10 out of 15 percent of people are are dipshits or whatever he said? Did they lose their shit or was it just the same trying to like regurgitate the deplorables thing and say, aha, I think it was people trying to regurgitate the deplorables thing, but I don't know that it necessarily worked because all of us were kind of like. Well, yeah. I'm I'm like, he's shooting low. I I wish it was right. Like I've driven in Dallas. I mean, there's, there's, and I would say too, on the beltway, driving on the beltway will show you how many assholes there are in the world. <laughs> um, but talking about Jeffrey Epstein and the corruption that surrounds it is just, there's another addition to the 10 or 15%. Right. And like, <clears throat> like to be clear, there's going to be, if, if, and when these things come to light, there's going to be lots of folks that we think we like right now that were there. There's something that happens to men that get in a certain level of power and a certain amount of money that, like, you just realize you literally can get away with everything. And there's some, like, compelling force that's like, what if I wanted, what's the worst thing I can think of? I could just do it. Like, let's see. Right. And it's like, what if I could fuck a kid? And you're like, why do you want to fuck a kid? And they're like, I don't know, because I can. Right. And it's, it's, I think there's something about, like, that level of power and money that, like, I wish I understood. If you didn't have it, I don't think that these people would 
in their daily suburban life working as a middle level manager for a Kmart would want to fuck a kid. But there's something or, about or that kind would of know power they would never money. get away with it. But I don't know that they would have wanted to. I think there's something That's my about question. power. Right? Maybe. Is, Maybe. Is it uh, as a result of power or are, are these, you know, pedophiles who just don't act on it already? Right. And for fear of retribution, but like, right. Don't have that. I don't know. And maybe it's a combination, but I do think there's something about power. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I can get away with this. Why not try? I can do anything I want in this lifetime. Why don't I do this? I'm going to try the worst thing I can think of and then I'm going to get away with it. And how powerful am I going to feel then? You know, Hillary Clinton never raped a kid. I'm just saying. But her husband probably did. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm worried about. Yeah. Well, not really worried about, but no, I, I wouldn't be all surprised the by. I don't care. Who I do too. I think it's important. I don't care who it is. I don't care which party it is. If you're a pedophile, then you need to be outed. Yeah. Well, this has been another really uplifting episode <laughs> of right? Testimony. We start, We didn't even get to coronavirus. What is Because that's still a thing. Uh, yeah, I just, uh, you know, it's not over. Mask and like, wash your hands. Yes, yeah. wash your hands, keep your social distancing. Don't get into large groups of people, especially indoors. If you're at the beach, you're probably fine unless that beach is packed. If you're out for a jog, is fine. If you want to meet a friend for a drink on a patio and you can keep six feet, you're probably fine doing that. If you're at a protest, I love you and just try to stay away, you know, try to keep your distance and wear, wear your mask. mask. And I'm not going to lie and say you're not putting yourself at a lot of risk going to a protest. Right. You are, but yep. they know that. Like that's it's right. not it's not our These bunch are, we've all that done, is there and in denial about the no. risks. We've all done risk assessment on this, and people have determined that this is something that they're willing to take that risk. And yeah. I'm not going to tell them whether that's right or wrong. Yeah. And I mean, it's important to note that rum punch is not a disinfectant, and no matter how, no matter how much you drink of it, it is not going to prevent coronavirus. <laughs> Um, but I'm still really working on that case study. Okay. Well, you let, let us know, know, and maybe one day we'll all be in Barbados doing firsthand research. There we go. God willing. <laughs> but that's Inside for another. That's for another episode. <laughs> all right. This has been an episode of Forever Testimony. You can't promise when we'll be back. There's just a lot going on, and it's requiring a lot of energy for us to do this. And there's energy that can be spent by us and you guys doing things that are more important right now. But we'll. We will check in periodically. Yeah. Um, we've, we've talked about this before. People reaching out to us that want to be guests that we would love to have. So and that's going to be the up. thrust of the show going forward. The weekly news recap thing we're not going to do anymore. We're not going to be recapping every, every debate and stuff no. like that. No. So if you miss that, you can go listen to the old episodes. We have literally like 400 of them. So, and there's <laughs> lots of podcasts to do that. Yeah. Go, listen to that. go listen to that. All right. Thank you so much, Sarah. You have an open invitation. Anytime you want to gab, you know, just send us a message on Thursday or Friday and say, hey, can we talk Saturday? And we will set it up for you. Hell yeah. Yay. I will come anytime. I am happy to talk to you all of the time. Me too. Lovely. <laughs> so, Sarah Burris, check her out on rawstory.com. They do great work. Like I said, they were on top of this police brutality stuff long before um, the tragic uh, stuff that has happened recently that has sparked all the protests. Stay active, stay tuned, more than ever stay involved. I'm Travis. I'm Rachel. We will talk to you when we talk to you. Adios. Adios.